ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. It's the question that's on everyone's mind. How do you live a good life? How much do work, health, relationships matter? What about happiness, meaning, money, and love? What if you're alone or anxious, ill or in pain? These are the questions we explore weekly on the top-ranked Good Life Project podcast. Hosted by me, award-winning author, four-time industry founder, and perpetual seeker, Jonathan Fields. Every week, I sit down with world-renowned experts, iconic writers, and researchers. And while everyone from Olympic gold medalists to world-shaking activists, A-list celebs, musicians, and more, all with a single goal, to help understand what it truly takes to live a good life and to feel a little less alone along the way. Listen to the Good Life Project podcast wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Loyalty, described as, do you care? And I care, and that's why I'm on this show. Comes a time, here we go. <laughs> I'm a sucker for O'Teal, man. I saw that same feeling that I have, that would he filled a void that I didn't even know existed. It feels so good to, as Ben said, to try to do something about an issue as opposed to complaining. If you can't help, don't hurt. If we could just all get out there and throw cream puffs at each other, maybe things instead of bullets and, and <laughs> angry words, it would be better. When you stop laughing, you stop living. There's a worldwide surge in interest in mushrooms. It was deep, man. It's not that TM makes your mind quiet down there. It already is. We're just stuck up here. We've lost access. I'm jumping Jack Flash. Came out by the stones. So I thought, all right, perfect, man. I'm going to drive. And I started driving through the neighborhood, and I got I got a text from Mick Jagger. <laughs> People saying that, you know, what we do is non-essential. Well, playing those few gigs that yeah. you saw me at felt pretty essential to me. It wasn't like they were clapping from here. Is they were clapping from here. My view of things is that death, death is the last and best reward for a life well lived. Like you gotta, it's the strangest of places if you look at it right, you know? If you're liking what you're hearing, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get your bus pass for an extra episode every week. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Comes a Time. Uh, O'Teal is sailing the seven seas, playing great, sweet music for all the jam cruise attendees. So uh, 
I'm here solo today and I'm talking to my pal Ophira Eisenberg. Uh, she was on the podcast early on. She's got an amazing one woman show happening at uh, the Soho Playhouse called Scars. And I wanted to chat with her about the process of writing that material uh, and, and just catch up with one of my buddies. So uh, find out about where you can follow her at the end of the episode and we'll post all of it in the notes. Uh, thank you guys always, always for listening to comes a time. If you're enjoying it, head over to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and, uh, join us for a bonus episode each week. Follow us on the socials, uh, at Mike Fenoya at O'Teal Burbridge on Instagram, YouTube, uh, go to our YouTube comes a time channel and, uh, where you listen to the podcast, subscribe and rate and review. It goes a long way and tell your friends that, uh, if you think they'd like it, uh, you know, we won't let them down. So thank you guys. Thank you, Ophira. And uh, we'll catch you on the flippity flop. Peace. Hi, Ophira. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hi, buddy. Hi. So nice, nice to, to see, see you, you too. In the daytime. How was your weekend? Uh, my in the my daytime, weekend, yeah, my weekend was intense because I'm doing this uh, solo show, so it's very different. I, I just said to someone this morning, I said, you know what? I know a weekend of doing whatever. Let's exaggerate a little hyperbole. Nine spots in a row. But, you know, okay, whatever, four, bragging. five. But, you know, like there are nights where you can probably fit in five, even with how hard it is to get around the city. Uh, and after that, it's exhausting but not yep. like doing this one show <laughs> i can't wait to hear about it i had a fiver i had a five spot saturday yeah three three at gotham uh seven nine and eleven thirty and then an eight thirty at new york comedy club in the east village and then a ten thirty up at stand up new york on seven oh yeah broadway and 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 Ophira, i drove to each of them and it was just <sighs> you know brutal and you know, I'm illegally parked and I'm, did I tell that joke already? Oh yeah. Did I, You've you got, know, that your brain like has to of, do so many different things. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just that, like, I could have made this an easy three show Gotham night, which is a, one of my favorite nights in the city when yep. you just have a nice bing, bang, boom, hang out with the crew, eat a nice, you know, dinner, nice meal, and hang chat with, in between. To go downstairs and just realize it's like one of the most, <laughs> beautiful <laughs> new york comedy nights but of course true i got a pac-man it through the city and blah, 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 you know it's just so like, stressful even when i take the subway i mean you and you never end up just taking the subway by the way you you know this ran late subways i mean the subway this weekend was hilarious because i commented by the way for your listeners that don't live in new york we live on the subway but the subway just does not run and it's not a joke it is <laughs> Really you look at the delays on the weekend and it's like every single line and then half of them are not running on the track that they were designed to run on. They're running on a different track because they're doing maintenance because yeah. maybe, you know what, maybe we should shut down our subways every once in a while. Maybe they should just be shut off before between, I don't know, what's a good time, three and five? I mean, I know that a lot of people who work need to be able to get places and so that's basically uh, just causing more problems, but they do not work, so then you end up in Ubers or taxis or city bikes. I know comics that are hopping on bike shares yeah. and arriving all sweaty and gross to their spot. They're just like, whatever. Just letting the bike roll into the street to run in. <laughs> exactly. And get there on time. So I'm single. <laughs>
so I'm single. <laughs> Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. with a city bike to go tell their uber joke yeah, exactly it's, it's like so we single. need i love it we, we need support we need transportation support two two thoughts on what you just said oh my god can you imagine that just like a service that like circles the block of the club while you're performing <laughs> and then you can just oh that would be the best um do you ever think when you get on the subway that we're just extras in a rat movie <laughs> That they're filming a, a rat like feature and we're just the extras, the monsters in it. I mean, you know, there's so, there's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of um, new, new um, commerce on the subways. There is, that, there is. That we're not even from the before pandemic times. No, there's brand new commerce and there's a lot of it. <laughs> there's quite a bit. It's so weird. <laughs> I always thought like, like you said, like what would be a good time to shut down the subway? I always thought about like, what would be a good time? I had a psychedelic experience once where I thought of like New York city as like a living, breathing, like a mother and all us kids like live on her and like depend on her, but we're beating the shit out of her. Like she's mm -hmm. like, we're drilling holes in her arms and tunnels. And what if we all just went to Pennsylvania? for like a weekend and just like let the city let her just heal. let her take a bath just let her take a bath and and, and yeah. let her just like soak and clean and you know <laughs> i mean you you may think that uh, the global pandemic was that <laughs> Very when true. new york shut down yeah. and it, it did heal people were like the birds have returned i mean it did heal <laughs> <laughs> but now look at it poor she's again she now it's, it's worse worse now. it's worse it's half broken down and pretending that it yeah it's just fully functioning no it's a total mess it's a total mess and all we do is figure out different restaurants and bars and work to do to ignore that <laughs> to ignore it you're right we are total yeah we're absentee children
We all yeah. moved home with a fentanyl problem. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Mine, I need 20 bucks. And New yeah, York's just come like, on. take it. Just take it. Whatever. It's yeah, so ridiculous. There was someone on the subway, you know, there's, like I said, a lot of newcomers. Also, um, there for a while, people were just smoking on the subway just all the time. Just I was like, oh, now we have a smoking car. Interesting. All right. <laughs> and then then it became I mean, this is very sad. This is all pointing to like very large, larger social problems. But then it was just like every row of seats was someone's bed. Mm hmm. Uh -huh. So it was just like people were sleeping. Like I'm saying like four per car. Like there That's was nowhere bad. to sit. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a guy that was potentially not completely in his right mind on the train yesterday. And sometimes people are ranting. Often they are just asking for money with whatever way they do. But this guy was just looking at everyone and going, I love you. Uh -oh. I love you. I love you. And it was the most frightening of all. It's not the kind of love you want. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the wrong kind of unconditional love. It like, was intense. Some... That was intense. That's nuts. That is nuts. <laughs> Do you know the guy down in the West Village who barks like the, the guy that kind of the, the blonde-ish guy oh, who just yeah. goes like, ah, 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 like yeah. kind of chirping bark? I saw he was on a on a packed train in between 14th and West 4th barking. And it was a full Christmas train. Like it was like people had their like 12 <laughs> packs of beer and their nice clothes and they were going to their, you know, secret Santa parties and whatever. And he was like, I could, I was watching him get like a, like a rat, like, like caged. Like he started to kind of, and he started that barking thing and he started to hit himself. And I watched people kind of like reach into their 12 packs and like, like grab a bottle, almost kind of ready to like, you know, hit them. And I, I, oh my I was, god it was ugly and i'm like yeah this guy doesn't put like he just shouldn't i don't know those subway trains are because if that train got stuck ophira like i don't know what would have happened like i was just like please don't get stuck because and that, guess what they get stuck they get stuck a lot they get stuck a real lot yeah because the rats are shooting movies and what we well, don't want to interrupt <laughs> the good news is i think the subway i forget what anniversary it is of the subway but let's just say you know conservatively i think i can say 60 years I actually, I think, because really I could say 80 years. 80 years, because 60 years would be what? The 60s. Yeah, it it was probably. Well, no, I 60 I, years. I, don't, I went to the transit museum with my son and it retained no information. <laughs> uh, and all I got but, was this stupid t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, and all I can say is, uh, we. how have we not mastered this at all? <laughs> oh my God, I know, I know. And as someone who drives in the city, which you know, I am, I am in awe of. I'm great at it, but I'm telling you, I'm, there will probably be a day where I run someone over and I don't mean to, <laughs> it's going to happen. I mean, it's like playing, it's like, you know, like eventually you're going to break a bone if you're going to try parkour, you know, like if I'm like, first of all, any car can stop at any time because if an Uber gets, if their oh, yeah. alert goes off, they're just hitting the brakes in the middle lane and. Hey, if you're behind me, sorry, I got to get a good rating, yep. you know, <laughs> and then people come from Wisconsin to like ride a bike for the first time and FaceTime Nana back home. <laughs> like, look, I'm in and, and, and they're just in and out of, and then the drunk pedestrian confidence is just oh, it's amazing. Oh. So, but you know, so the, I hear you and I've also thought about it in this intensely optimistic way. Isn't it amazing in a city like New York, which is 
bringing people, you know, we're just talking about like Wisconsin and what have you, but from all over the world, people who have learned to drive in anywhere from like South Dakota, where I'm pretty sure if you veer off the road, you just keep going. <laughs> you make a new road. <laughs> until you find another one that's yeah. paved. <laughs> Uh, to, you know, as, I mean, people from who, who learned how to drive on the other side of the road to people that learned how to drive on like all kinds of crazy different stage, different rules, different looking lights, different looking everything. And we put them all in the same place. And in, if you look from that perspective, that's a, it's pretty good. Working pretty good. It really is. <laughs> it's, it's really is. It's like, how is this not just people just running into fire hydrants and yeah, like, it's yeah, like a, exactly. when you play a video game for the first time and you're like in the you're corner like, like running you're like oh oh so i take my head but you take your foot off the gas in this game oh why i love when they tell you they didn't know how to drive until they started driving uber oh and i'm like all right come on like can you at least be parked but when you tell me this it's just I like, know. Or I just when they say, uh, this is my very first trip to jfk like an airport you're like you've you then this is your first trip. Your first trip. And you're like, this is my last. This is my last trip to JFK. Yes. You 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 I'm so excited to talk to you because I haven't gotten to see the the show, but you're doing oh, we're both kind of concurrently trying something and you're doing it on a much more beautiful scale and I'm kind of just chipping away at a rock. But working on a new body of material while performing professionally and paid spots where you kind of got to do your stuff yeah you're kind of working this kind of functionally bipolar purposefully bipolar uh thing brutal yeah Yeah. i know i want to hear all about it it's playing playing the game from all angles well because you kind of have to i mean i think there's a mentality about this too but you know i try to look in in the night it is a it is a uh it is an amazing thing to be passed at clubs in new york yeah so and to you need to feed that beast i would say by continuing to be available as often as you can of course if you're on the road you're on the road but if you're in new york it's good to to keep that up because the more you're in the system the more you're in the system yes out of sight out of mind is a thing out of sight out of mind is yeah. a totally a thing so you always want to keep that going if you can but it's very hard to do that with other projects and make it all work because it's just well it's a brain fuck for one yeah. Yeah. to be switching gears like that and it's just you know from an energy point of view it's insanity <laughs> <laughs> Honest to God, it really is. It's total insanity. Like you have to silo your thoughts. Like you yeah. literally have to like go. Uh, yeah. Like it, it's, 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 so how are you handling that? Like first let's back up and talk Poorly. about it. <laughs> I'm so like, and that's another bummer about like doing not a bummer, a double-edged butter knife. I like to call it instead of a bummer, double-edged mm, I butter it. knife. I love it. Cause it's like, I'm busy performing, but then I can't go see you. I can't go see concerts. I can't go see like, I want to sit oh, right. in the crowd and watch you just work this. Let's talk about the premise of your new show. Oh yeah. So it's a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, I'm going to say unique premise, but something that totally makes sense to everybody. Uh, it's about scars, like actual physical scars. Uh, and that comes with emotional scars. But I am covered in scars on my flesh. Uh, a lot of them from when I was a kid, from surviving a car accident. And then once later, 
And so this show, I kind of talk about all those scars. And as I like to say, um, you know, the sort of premise is that scars are the physical manifestation of that comedy equation, that tragedy plus time equals comedy. Yeah. Also a scar. And so I do, I have a lot of funny stories about like the herring ways I got some scars, including I put my finger in a meat grinder when I was a little kid to, you know, (laughs) really much more pretty intense, wildly um, tragic things that have happened to me. And, but I am still here, obviously. (laughs) So I have a perspective and it is, it is a, it is a emotional show that has a lot of laughs in it, but it is a, it is a whole thing. And as a performer, I'm, I'm going for a lot of different notes with my audience. Yeah, and you, <clears throat> like some brilliant comics that I look at and go like, I hope to one day play like them. Like you look at a musician and they, some people play rhythm, some solo. You have that storyteller um, like built in. You have that muscle. You knew how to throw that pitch. You know what I mean? And and did that come before Thank stand you. up or did, did that so come it, after? So it's sort of like, it, it sort of didn't because there was no place to put it. Like I was writing stuff that was little narrative stories or longer pieces. But, you know, at the time when I started stand up and, and was just even trying to take stand up seriously, storytelling in stand up was not a thing, like was not popular. It was not yeah. trendy. It was not what people do. It was really all back to like people wanted one liners. It was very jokey. And there was no place for it. And on top of that, I will tell you, Mike, if you did something like that, it was seen as, and I quote, very female. Oh, really? They were like, oh, you don't, you, like, there was this very sexist, terrible thing, but it was like the women were do, that were doing well, which also don't even get me into the numbers of that. But the thing that they would say was like, oh, that person's great because they write like a guy, which meant that it was <laughs> much less conversational. It was much more these tight sort of jokes. So I yeah. didn't do that stuff because I too wanted to. I wanted to work. I wanted to get get better. I wanted to be part of what was going on. And then I found the moth, which is a storytelling organization in New York, but I found it when they, and they were putting, they were asking people to come on stage and tell like a five minute story from their life. And I was like, Oh, this is this other thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And, 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 and I'll tell you, it's so important that we allow ourselves to do that. And the thing that's so great about New York is there were these kind of like, you know, like a show I ran at the cellar hot seat where you go up with a story and then open it up to Q and a with the audience and like, but other, like I I would be asked to go tell stories about theme, like a mushroom experience or a breakup experience or a, you know, life experience. And it's fun when those rooms kind of allow you that, um, ability to practice because like we were talking about earlier being passed at clubs and being booked you kind of have this fear thing of you know this joke's gonna work it's a saturday night do i just play the hits do i do i challenge myself do i challenge the crowd where am i at this club as it relates to oh all of those things and every room you go to you're a different person you're a different are you you know uh I always make baseball analogies, but it's like, are you the, the, the starting pitcher 
or are you the closer? Are you the reliever? Like, are you lucky to even be on the team? And then are you ignoring what happened right before you? Because that's a choice. Or are you doing a segue to that? Because you're just like, oh, these people were, I don't know, like they're chatty. And but they just got a lot of stand up that they didn't hear. Maybe they need to be maybe they need a little bit of crowd work to get back on board of this. Or were they just talked to death? And I got to like make sure that I just like go back and do as as easy accessible or how drunk are they? Or like a bazillion things. And I will I will admit even sometimes I walk in there and I go, I want to do the hits because right now I don't feel like being challenged. Like sometimes I'm like, can I just get a new joke working because it's driving me crazy and I will just be hammering that out as often. And other times I'm like, you know what? I've had enough failure for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would totally. like to feel like I know what I'm doing again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When you're just looking two inches over all their heads and you're just literally thinking about the ride home and like, what do I have in the fridge for when I get home later? I mean, we do it. You got to do it at times. You, you got to do it. You know, Rena Zager, do you know, did you ever know Rena Zager? I, I know the name. Yeah. I'm not sure. Okay, she, so I know, you know, it's so funny because also when I moved to New York in um, 2001, there were a lot of comics that I met that were really, really, really funny. And they all ended up working in like, I think comedy jobs or comedy adjacent jobs, but not so much like pursuing stand-up hardcore that, uh, yeah, it's just, I'm always like, where are all those people? And they're around. It's just like so weird. So many people around me, um, kind of quit yeah wild it's like this business really fucking weeds i'll tell you that it weeds (laughs) harsh it totally does and and it's this thing of kind of i thought about you know during the i think maybe during the pandemic we all maybe thought about like how how do we go back like is that it like how do we pivot and move towards something Something. else and anything else like who ain't like what what you know it's like and the why, right? There's just the why of like, why are we just doing this? Because we have the momentum of doing it. So then you, you don't examine it because you're just continually doing it. Or that was like the why. But she had this joke a long time ago about, you know, and she had phrased it or contextualized it in like what it is like to get older. And she was like, when I wake up in the morning, my brain is looking forward to going back to bed. And there are, are times that I like look at the day ahead of me and the spots I have at night. I'm just, I'm more, much more focused about like, and then I come home. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like, how am I going to attack each aspect of this? It's like, no. and then I come home. And then I come home. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. It really is. And, it, and it's, there is that, that like, I, I hear what you're saying. Like some, sometimes I want to go in and I want to just try all the new jokes and then there's times where like i have to set up a thing where i could go tell stories and it's fun i'm doing that now and you're doing that now and that's why i'm so stoked to talk to you about this because like i'm going up and telling stories in a theme of like react and regret that's kind of like my like where i'm where it's like moments where i've kind of all the way back to dates i had in like uh, in high school or you know moments where I was kind of like, I look back on it and I'm like, Oh, you know, and it's fun to just tell those stories in a permission to fail setting. Yeah. And you just, it has no ending. It's just the story's the story. And then I'm standing there kind of like, yeah, I was that guy, you know? Yeah. It's a, to stick the ending of a story in a stand up 
within the context of a stand-up show, I think is one of the hardest things to do. And I yeah. think that's where it really veers away from what you could do in a storytelling setting because the expectations are so different. And I think in a storytelling setting, it is it's you always want to stick your at landing, but you can also end the story um, where the action ends. Like you can literally end with some sort of like, you know, and that's what happened to me version, something yes. a little bit yes. less cliche and uh, better written, but in a standup <laughs> scenario, they're, they're expecting a final punch. And I, I feel like sometimes you got to put artifice in there to create, create that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it is the expectation uh, to have that is so hard. It really, so really hard. is. I've tried a couple different endings on a, on stories that I'm working on now. I had a date in in middle school <clears throat> at an th- amusement park, and I was I wanted to kiss this girl that I went on the date with. It was like the first time I was going to kiss her. And during the day, I ate um, too much candy and went on a ride, and I ended up throwing up all over the place. <gasps> and the trip the the plan was at the end of the night we were going to ride this like. Uh, yeah. And it was like nerds. It was like rain. I was like throwing up rainbows. And uh, at the end of the night, we were going to ride this like, you know, tram thing. And I was going to kiss her. And I forgot I puked. I was a kid, you know. <clears throat> so I tried to kiss her and she wouldn't kiss me. Uh, so I broke up with her and we were like, <gasps> we were like enemies all through school. And then later on, I ran into her and I was like, How, whatever happened with us? Like, you know, time, enough time had passed. And she's like, well, I liked you, but you puked. And then you got mad that I didn't kiss you. Like you had puked. Like, and I'm like, oh my God, I would never have kissed you either. You know, like that's so true. But I forgot that part of it. I forgot I puked. And then I'm like, oh, it makes total sense. You didn't kiss me. And that's just a story I've been working on that like it has. Do you tell that story in uh, chronology? I mean, I have immediately an idea. Tell me. Do you tell it in chronological order? Yeah. Yeah, I would tell it in reverse. Where I run into her. I would, I mean, I don't know. This is just an idea. I don't know. I'm brainstorming the top of my head. But I feel like, I feel like, you know, because I think, I think everybody relates to that thing where there is something, you feel bad about something in the past that reject, about a rejection and you don't understand it. Yes. And as time moves forward, in some ways we have the possibility to revisit these people and go, what went on? You know, and, but what's more interesting is what you thought went on. Like you were like, she rejected me because I don't know, I'm sure you had a bazillion reasons in your head as to why and what that was like. And that probably lived with you for a long time and informed other decisions you made about your life and your relationships, because you had created a story that you were this kind of person because of that scenario, which we will find out later in your story was all wrong and not only was it all wrong it had nothing to do with anything psychological or anything about like your attractability it was because you puked (laughs) and you had bad breath and it was like rancid in someone's face and how maybe maybe what the story is about is Man, if we all had the ability to, like, imagine if you just knew that the whole time, you probably would have just apologized to her. You could have been married to her for all you know. <laughs> if, if, imagine if, if I was, like, was, was approved. Imagine if just went, like, at, at seventh grade, if she had the wherewithal to go, like, dude, 
puke nerds. Like I watched you like puke a rainbow. You really think yeah. I'm going to kiss you right now? I would have totally been a different person. Or now. if you had the wherewithal to be like, I just puked. <laughs> I'm not going right. to try to kiss I'm this ma- person. I'm making it about her still. <laughs> yeah. If I was like, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, you're but right. You, you probably had your eye on this prize of like wanting to kiss this girl so badly that you were, you know, I'm a race. so nervous. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyways, I just think there's so much more to the story. And that's why um, you're great at story. Like, I love watching you perform <laughs> because even when you like, you're someone who your jokes, your set up, punch, bang, set up, punch, tag, they're stories. And it's the way you deliver. It's the intonation. It's the timing. It's the pauses. We're, we're being introduced to tips of icebergs. You know what I'm saying? It's and that, that's how I feel. And, and that's why I'm really excited about this you know, what's it like talking about the scars and, and, and telling those stories and stuff? I mean, well, it's uh, I will say, so like I said, some of it is uh, really intense. So I have had, I've, uh, I don't mean to sound arrogant or anything, but I, I've had a lot of people in my audience cry at some point. So I, but I got to tell you from a pure performer point of view, I love doing, I love the idea of doing a lot of different emotions and asking your audience to be, to laugh, to feel and cry, maybe even get on your side with something that you're angry about to also feel that rage. And so uh, the first 20, 25 minutes of this show is pretty much comedy. Like I mentioned that uh, there is going to be tragedy. I make the very clear yeah. that yeah. there is going to be tragedy in the show and that, um, you know, don't let up that this is like the comedy equation, tragedy plus time equals comedy and that we are doing the full equation. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I try to set the expectations and, but the first, I would say 20, 25 minutes of this show, I try to just make as funny as possible. There's a, a, a harrowing adventure. Uh, I, I do a, a scar competition with the audience and this is all the stand-up shops to basically make everyone trust you and feel like you're, they're in a safe space where we're all having a good time. I love it. A scar competition. You've had some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, That's th- oh great. So fun. I love we both love talking to the audience. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's and that's, I think, you know, to give us both credit, not something everyone can do. Some stand ups go like that is my I hate it the most. And I will some not are do posting it. it and they're not ready to post it. <laughs> and there's my, just a yeah. lot of garbage. Yeah. But talking to the audience is just, you know, you're mining for gold. Yes. Usually. Yes. And it's all out there. Yes. It's all out it's there. It's the best. It is the best. The other night I, I was at a theater in. <clears throat> where was I, New Orleans or Louisiana? And I was talking about the ancestry test. And I said, have, you know, so who's done it? And a girl raised her hand and she said, uh, my parents found out that they're cousins. And the whole room kind of like oh my God. gasped. And she's like, but they get along fine. So they're still together. Like, I didn't even ask. Like, she just, did, you know, but they're still together. Like, we like, we all kind of knew, like cosmically knew, like, tell me they got divorced right away and it's like oh no, my they got God. Right. and it's just a neat and it led to a whole world of you know and i sometimes will say like i wish i found this out before i told you my stupid jokes for the past 10 minutes because <laughs> I, I was I'll, I'll, I'll abandon my set if there's good stand if there's good audience stuff nothing i'm telling you is as good as spontaneous real world stuff 
Well, isn't it interesting, too, because it's as a, you know, I don't know if anyone appreciates this in the crowd because you're just there for the experience. But as a performer, like, you know, what minute in your set did that happen? The 10 minute mark? And you've the got 20 minutes. ahead of you? Like, you now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You've got to make some critical decisions about what's going to happen next. Yeah. And like there that, is, oh my God, like you might just eat it for the next five while you try to like get in back into your material and get everyone to switch <laughs> their emotional state. But it's like, a, it, there's a whole thing. So yeah, so this is, so then I go into some more tragic stories and then, um, but the, the, there is a, there is a death within my stories. Um, it's not myself, obviously, cause I'm on that stage, but I had that, you know, I will say that in the process of doing the show, I, I mentioned that death earlier in the show and just recently I, I changed it. So there is a moment at the end where I revisit one of the earlier stories and it was, uh, this is more of a storytelling thing than a yeah. stand-up thing, but it was a bit of advice someone gave to me that I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. They were like, do not put it on yourself to like, do not carry a bag of bricks through an entire story. You can carry it a little bit near the end and still be truthful to it. But if you're going to decide to carry a bag of bricks for 25 minutes, like uh, we're all just focused on the bricks. So don't think you can, you wow. can uh, introduce the bricks and then take us somewhere else. So, so, so this advice was kind of like, all right, audience, like if you'll notice right next to me is a stack of bricks that we're going to, I'm going to show, I'm going to get into but I want to acknowledge they're here. Is that kind of what you mean? Like, instead of like, like kind of like if you're holding these bricks, meaning like you're putting it on your shoulders and then you're like, and bang, here's the end of the story. Everyone hears the bricks. Is that what you mean? Yeah. It's sort of like no one, you know, I'm just going to say the most, tra one of the more, more tragic things that you can tell an audience about is a death. Yes, There's many yes, tragic things. So then the, but then if, you know, I had a lot more things to say about my life as pertaining to different scars and I had a lot more scar, scar, scar talk, talk to go. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So then, but I thought it was looming. It was kind of looming. And I think uh -huh. it was like, uh -huh. how, how do you address that? And chronologically correct. Uh, but from a performance point of view, it was, you know, suggested to me, well, can you, can you get to some like bring us to a different place where then you interject us back and go, well, this is why some of this stuff felt like that at oh, the time. Okay. And so then, you That's know, it is your advice. responsibility to deal with that and give it its place near the end. But I didn't have to, <clears throat> I didn't have to make the audience feel okay about it for half an hour. Got it. I just had to make the audience feel with me and go th it through me and come to where I was at for like, you know, whatever, five, 10 minutes of the show. I'm making it very like a time thing, but it's important. That's I mean, also kind of what well, it is. Also from a performance standpoint, like, you know, and, and I'd love to know your thoughts on this. You know, you look at your material and you look at your stories and you look at the chronology of like, and the presentation. And it's yes. a total thing where it's like, you know, if you're trying to get a point across where, Hey, audience, listen, this is all in retrospect. Like I'm looking back on. Yeah. What happened you know, to me? Something. Yeah. And, and, and it's all this central theme. I, I really love kind of looking at material like a thesis statement in a way where it's like you lay that thesis and then you have supporting A, B and C conclusion. Like 
I kind of like that layout of how to look at material sometimes where it's like, maybe sometimes we're worried about the last line, the punch, but if we take an important line and put it at the front, Oh yeah. It's like, you know, you I, be- I think that's when it's at its best. Yes. And, and I, that's where you can take a small chunk of material and it feels like a story. It's like when you listen to a two minute song and it's like, oh, my God, I just went through hell and back with this person. And it was two minutes See? and 30 seconds. And that's possible. Yes, it's totally possible. Right. And, so, and, and laying uh, the brick. I get that now. OK, I love yeah, that. Yeah. And even wow. even with just uh, even with just stand up specials, I don't mean to add that we're just to stand up specials, <laughs> but just I mean something different. But I have uh, spoken to a few people that they were like, yeah, I was really conscious of making sure I hit that emotional arc. And I was like, oh, because I will say that when I recently was working on like, okay, what's my next hour of pure standup? I do not look at it in terms of emotional arc. I look at storytelling very much. I look at more in just like energy levels and I'm like, I want to do a bunch of this stuff and then I'm moving to this topic. And I was like, what if I use that same so yeah i've got i've got a lot of growth to to do is still too about what if you looked at your set your stand-up set that you know is a different expectation from the crowds yes in terms of having some emotional narrative hey there osiris listeners i wanted to tell you about our friends over at smart wool for more than 25 years smart wool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They are here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. that functional bipolar thing that we have where it's like, you know, if you have a 15 minute story or if you have a 15 minute set and you have two stories that you could tell that would fit that time, it's not going to work if you're in a showcase no. on a Friday night, you 80% can pick one, maybe. maybe pick one or just you go to that other silo and go like jokes, 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 maybe a quick sto- couch, a story. That's where I'm. And that's where a guy like Ted Alexandro, who I love his ability to let a joke crush, let the audience applaud, and then he just lets the room settle and let's pause. settle. And he's like in his head, he's like, five, four, three, two, one, start the next joke. And it's just these, it's like the record being flipped and the needle be like. Absolutely. That, I think that's a thing of power. Like that is, I know there's a lot of power in positives and I've always been bad at it. <sighs> I get so nervous. Uh, I get so yeah, nervous. Yeah, so nervous. But there is power. Although, you know, I will find, you know, again, just the amazing creative process. So I'll have a story. I'm working on a story. Listen, whatever it's about. It, like a, one that I want to put in a stand-up set. And, um, you know, some, I have a timer that I always put in my back pocket. I've lost it. So now I don't have a timer. But anyways. Okay. That And so if I, you know, usually at a club, let's say you have a 20 minute spot, they're going to give you the light at 18 or something like that, 17. But my, but my story is five minutes. So then I'll set my timer for five minutes. And then, so I can like take that to the end. Cause in theory, I'm leaving, I'm leaving on the story, but then sometimes that's just messed up and I'll get the light, but I will have just started the story and then it's a panic. And you know what I've done? I have, made very critical choices in the moment and cut out all kinds of shit to try to fit it into three minutes. 
And sometimes I get off the stage and go, oh yeah, that's what it should have been all along. So, so happy that to hear you say that. <laughs> we put ourselves on the cliff. We put a gun to our heads and we go, tell that story faster, trim the fat. And, and somehow subconsciously we're going like, yeah, that, that doesn't need to be. You go back and listen and you go like, oh my God, like all that detail. Because what Gone. people don't understand is like before we're getting on stage, we're going, don't forget this detail. Don't forget that. That one's huge. You put all your eggs in that detail basket and then you forget that detail and you go, oh, the story doesn't even need that stupid detail. Absolutely. It's so amazing that you say, yes, it's so true. The so, and there's been a few times, there's been actually quite a few times that that has happened or someone has asked me for their audio project. They're like, Hey, can you tell that story about like blah, 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 but it has to be three minutes. And I'm like, no, 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 I can't because it's a seven minute story, but then I'll just try. And I'm like, how do I trim this in half? always possible. It's always possible. It is always possible. It might be a little bit of a different story. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. The story is maybe, maybe you can be the, uh, this is going to sound super booted, heady. Uh, maybe we're just the vehicle for the story to nice. find its life. Right. And I like, love it. I'll just Uber drive that story to the end and let it be what it is. And, but I'm telling you, know. you I've met a lot of people and I'm just going to say like when they start and they're precious, I mean, we're all precious about our words and our feelings and thoughts and they will say, and that's how I know someone's an amateur in the storytelling word world where they get up and they go, uh, you know, I just got to tell you, I don't have enough time to tell this story. It's like, oh my God. You that poor is, little child. <laughs> that is the, I mean, and if you ever look at anything written by any, anyone written, it's always like, I think it was Kurt Vonnegut said, how do you, how do you write? You start as close to the end possible. Yes. That's what you try to do. Start That's as close beautiful. to the end as possible. Uh, and you know, there's, I can't remember who this is attributed to right now, but the whole thing, I would have written you a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. Uh, ooh, I like that. Yeah. So it's like anyone who thinks the only way to give this thing service is 20 minutes or whatever is wrong. No. hundred percent. And, uh, and I think we also think we need so much setup. We have to be like, when I was five years old, no, no, I'm on starting the action. I'm on the roller coaster. Yeah. (laughs) So I, that's a, I like, isn't that so much more exciting? Like if I said to you, I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, or if I was just like, yeah, I'm on the kitchen counter beside a meat grinder. Wouldn't you be like, okay, what's happening? We're there. Here? We're with you. Yes. Meat grinder, kitchen <laughs> counter. You're a kid. Yeah. That's all we need. It's, it's very, yes. That's so. And I think that, so in college, I had an advisor that was, I think she kind of kept me in school. I went to see her. And I said, I don't, I don't belong here. Like I'm not, I should be landscaping. And she's like, well, what classes are you taking? And we looked at my classes and she goes, well, what are you into? I was an English major, but I hated to read. And she's like, what about plays? Like, have you ever looked at plays? And we kind of cut the narrative out and went right to the action. And I love that. And I think that's what I love about stand up is that like, we're kind of doing our one act plays. You know what I mean? Like if you could look at it like that, where I like looking at a play and being like, you know, waiting for Godot, it's like the most simple. It's a, it's a bench and two dudes and you're in the park. It doesn't matter what park. It doesn't matter if the mountains are on fire in the back or there's a pigeon eating a rat. It doesn't matter. It's two guys sitting in the, like, what are you doing? Waiting for Godot. It's like the best. It's just like so simple and you trim the fat. And sometimes when we get up and tell our stories, you think there's going to be such a pop at a point and there's nothing. There's people just going like, yeah, okay. I know. You, oh, you statement. Uh-huh. Oh, good. Yes. So you were living. 
And uh, I like that we can kind of like take that stuff and go back and go like, yeah, totally that part. Oh, yeah, that was wrong. Me, oh, yes. yeah. I, love- oh, yeah. I know through stuff like that all the time where it's, it's like literally I find myself confusing a, a kind of a half witty statement as a punchline. <laughs> I'm like, no, yeah. that is why. Like, it's just because it resonated so hard with me. Yep. Now I've got to figure out a way to like do something with it for them. That's like our ego in a sweater smoking a pipe. <laughs> you know, just saying something profound. By the way, do you think anyone in the, I mean, I know Larry David ever tried to pitch Seinfeld as like, it's like modern day waiting for Godot. Uh, and then they were like i don't understand what you're saying i have no idea what you're saying somehow we know i'm glad you understand what i'm saying with that i was i mean a long long time ago i performed that play that is one of the hardest things to memorize oh it's all yeah i can only imagine you tried to perform that yeah i was asked to perform it and it was very hard to um, memorize because it's there's the narrative arc is yeah very subtle if there is one my yeah. God, I can only imagine. Did you ever write plays? Did you ever try like act for so other characters? Not, yeah, not really. I mean, honestly, I always feel like this is something before before I leave this planet, I would like to do that. Like I would like to just have someone revisit the structure with me, which is something I get hung up on. And, yeah. you know, whether it's a, a theatrical play or a screenplay, just so I can try it. I can write, narr- obviously, I just write narrative and I write narrative and I write narrative, but it's one person. Yeah. Um, Is it always you? It's always me. Yeah, are you I've always never... writing for you, the character, or are you? Do you know what I'm saying? I'm pretty much always writing for me, the character. Yeah, I think my burning passion in this whole how, what I do when everything's going wrong and I feel like I want to quit and I'm not making any money and I don't know why I'm doing this, I go back to: Do you have anything you need to say, or are we done before you go? Yes. And I always go, God. I still need to talk about this. I still want to talk about this. I still, I want to tell this story. I want to, yeah, for, you know, whatever reason. It's like, I might as well just put like a piece of tape on every notebook and just call it like suicide note. And then basically <laughs> it's just, I, I can't, I can't leave until I'm done with my note. I, I have to say everything that I have to say. Yeah. Before and I. So that's what I try to return to, you know, which I guess now we call that your why. But, uh, but I, I didn't know that terminology. I didn't know that terminology. Our why. <laughs> yeah. What is our why? And I, I assume at one point I'll, I'll just say, yeah, I, I said all the shit. I mean, this, this story about the, all my scars, you know, I, yeah. I did not do this show. I did different stories of the show in different places in different, in very different forms, but I didn't do it for a long time because I kept saying to myself, this is my most, this is the most important stuff from my life and I want to treat it well. And I also did a lot of sabotage where I was like, I can't figure out what the name is. And the name's not great. And I was like, a year later you go. Yep. Yeah. Just name it something. Uh, I, I don't have a director decided to do it without a director. Uh, so many things. And then I thought, you know, because there is talking about scars is a little bit de- deeper than dating or what have you. Uh, I thought, oh, there's there's no, past a global pandemic, we have no desire to hear about this stuff. And then as whatever you want to call this, emerging out of a global pandemic, I was like, oh no, it's good. People are more traumatized than ever. This is perfect. The yes. tone is set. Oh God, it's, isn't it great that the world is just <laughs> raw and bloody and yeah, it's the time. It is the time. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I thought about that too, where it's like, you know, you can only play the hits so 
long until you're like, I'm bored to tears with my own freaking voice. Like, I don't want to hear this anymore. Like I have things I want to say and stories I want to tell. And once you start doing it, you're like, oh, I'm in a whole other place now. And you look back at that other set and you're like, I could do those jokes if I need to. When the time calls for it, I'll do that set. But right now it's like you put your, you know, like it's nice to have that kind of diamond that you're chipping away at and put it in your pocket and go do your jokes. It it really does revitalize all the different stuff. Like I know that people and listen, you know, everyone's a little bit different, but I know when people, God, I just sound like an asshole. When people talk about visual art, like painters or whatever, they're just like, I didn't know what to do with this. So I decided to do collage. And uh, I think (laughs) as standups, we never really think about that. Like, we're just like, just keep writing the jokes, churn them out, churn them out. And there's people that can do that. I can't, I need to switch my brain sometimes and I need to do whatever would be, I don't write poetry per se, but like, I need to do whatever the version of, of collage. It just means writing a diff, slightly different format. And then yeah. I feel like I get like much more inspired. May I ask you the most cliche question about comedy? Because I'm always interested. Do you write, <laughs> do you sit down and write or do you write on stage or do you do both? I do both, but I always feel like I do a better version on stage. And if you, you know, that's why it's all great to do these very, um, you know, awesome club gigs where there's a lot of expectation from the audience that you're going to kill, but you also have to find these super low pressure shows where there feels like a lot of support. Cause for me, that's when I'm writing on stage and I'm like allowing myself to just like drift this way. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, that's how it should be said. And that's a way better idea. Oh my God. Isn't it? It's so refreshing. And like you said, it revitalizes. It makes you go back and look at your old stuff and be more patient with it and be like, you're not done. I think we always have this thing of like, is this bit done? Is this bit yes. ready? And, and, and it has to be like, okay, finished there. It's in this part of the set or it moves its way out. Eventually. I love that. I just did this show at a theater in Fairfield, Connecticut called Undercooked, where yes. it was no consequence. I was telling you about it. Oh my God, I'm getting goosebumps thinking, but this crowd was so supportive. It was a Tuesday night. I'm thinking 10 or 15 people are going to go. 90 people went. It's amazing. And it was a new material. They knew all about like the premise of it. And I went out there and set my phone down and wanted and just started recording. 35 minutes went by and I was like, holy shit, like 35 new minutes of thought that they're it's not done it's so it's, great but it was they were supportive i bombed hard at jokes there's some stuff that i thought sucked was got the best pop and i'm like so it's i so not, so listen yeah i'll shut I'm, up you go. first of all i will no i was just gonna say this is what i think because well it's the best i cannot wait to basically just show up at that theater and push myself onto your lineup but also there <laughs> i have no, i've noticed recently that there are a few more new joke like nights popping up at different places and to me it go the reason why these died is because nobody wanted to go to them right no audience wanted to see not the finished product they just and I feel like this is, it, it will end and it will change, but on a, on a podcast called Come to Town, you know what's happening right now? People are so interested in comedy that they will go see it in any form. Any form. And that helps 
us like so much. It's, it's, it's so cathartic to go like, it's okay for me to look at my paper. That's one of the silliest things about comedy is that like, you're coming to see me memorize things. Like it's somehow <laughs> totally. shitty if I pull my notes out and go like, that's why Joe Mackey, like I love that he'll just like bring his notebook out and just tell the, like he wrote it's, it. it. It's the old, it's the old. G- for Janine, but she was so yeah. well known for that. And then people would criticize her for that at the same time. And it's like, what am I? And like, I loved it. Yeah, I think exactly. it's great. I think it's great. I think this whole like Pay kind me of pop- extra to memorize. <laughs> I know what the hell, like if I get like, if I get hit in the head with a, you know, box now I can't do comedy anymore. Cause I can't remember. <laughs> and it's just be- like some of the stuff that's like, just when you, when you're doing the new and you're, so I think that for me in this experience, it's like, I want to bring that comfort, pop the balloon level to all show to just, Hey, this is, we're all going to, we're never going to be together oh, in a room ever again. Let's absolutely. Just- absolutely. And it's, it's, you know, that's where I think, you know, Ted Alexander, who you brought up earlier, the one, one of the other things I admire about that guy is that I feel his, um, whatever work he does to get himself to that stage where he is basically, he's so self-confident in himself. And it's not an act. Like I do feel like he feels in his soul that every word he is throwing out there should be listened to and is important. Uh And that just resonates with the crowd. And that's kind of how you have to feel when you try new stuff because they sniff out the, they sniff out my pleading with them to like me. Mm-hmm. so hard and yep. that's what they hear they don't hear any of the hilarious word choices i've made <laughs> they sense that one that little <laughs> crack in the in the in the mosaic where they can see the insecurity yeah and they go we got her yeah that's right and that's uh, where yeah. i feel that too and now oh, we're gonna God, chat like and that. we're gonna order another drink and we've written this person off that's it they go like caesar <laughs> exactly exactly thumbs <laughs> down have you had people come up to you from, with the scars, uh, um, with, with this material and this content and the way that you're approaching it, interactive and all that, um, thanking you, uh, like blog with the audience that has come to the shows? Yeah, I, uh, it's wild. So, I mean, it is interesting to see people with tears in their eyes. So that's very interesting yeah. and uh, i've heard from a lot of people that they feel seen or you know that part of my story reflects on their story or that they they were like i didn't think i had any scars and then as you're talking about them i was like oh yeah that thing that happened to me da, da, da. so there's all and i talk a lot about forgetting like they disappear because you just see them differently and you see yourself as a whole um, I put these little sheets I'm just showing to you in the in the Zoom camera. I put these little sheets on the table. They're just for fun. Uh, I don't do anything with them yet where I just say, what's your scar for people to busy themselves in when they got there early? And yeah. just the wild things that people have been through. And so part of this is creating this space. And I've had a lot of comments about that, about how we all have been through so much yet we walk around, I think assuming nobody else has, or like not thinking about it all the time. So then when we're all together, just going like, Oh my God, you've like, there's a, this sort of shared celebration of like, 
God, we're he we're here. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's so great that you're doing and it's that. Not it's not pretty. So... I, this is not a story that I'm not, a, I'm not a tie a bow on it kind of person. So no, I also like I to address yeah. that it's complicated. Sure. Yeah. No, of course. And it's, uh, you know, you get self-conscious about scars when you first have them. I've got this. I don't know if you could see it. Oh yeah. That I one do right see there. it. I all the yes. way up my, I snapped my humorous snowboarding, but what this Oof. represented was I moved out to Colorado and I tried to like start my life over and I failed at it by breaking my arm. And then I had to come home and get surgery. And then I started doing stand up, and then I became, I met my wife and I am who I am now. And I didn't fail at anything. I broke my arm snowboarding, but at, for a while I looked at it like an example of a failure. Like, you know what I mean? And then mm -hmm. now I'm kind of like, oh, this is the thing that happened that probably saved my life. So it's interesting. Right, that was way. a turning point. Yes. So the scar has not changed, but my perception of the scar absolutely has totally changed. And now I'm like, thanks, buddy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like, yeah. a, like a, 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 I never would have done stand up. I never would have met my wife. I never I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, you know, and it's just. Yeah, like, I mean. Totally. So I love that. I love so many things about that. And also I find that just like you said, no one has something on their body, even if it's tiny, tiny, tiny little thing, like a little and goes, I, I don't know. They're always like, oh yeah, it was seven o'clock on a Friday afternoon. And I was trying to take a speaker apart with a butter knife. Like it's so specific. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> the old butter knife in the speaker. <laughs> or, or it's like, I was doing this and I did it. And I was, I was like veering off course yeah. and, uh, and it, it, it just, everyone feels so specific mm -hmm. about that mark on their flesh. And I feel like, yeah, when we talk about emotional scars, they're all the things that live inside of you that right. you're constantly trying to like figure out. But the ones on the flesh, those are the ones that are, are basically tethering you to this earth. That's right. That's right. And those are the ones that as you get them I, and, and simple things I have <laughs> When I was get when I after I got married, I was headlining a club for the first time ever. Like it was like a first local club headline, and I we had gotten a juicer as a wedding gift. So oh yeah, <laughs> obviously I was juicing everything because sure. like that fat of, of, and I'm cutting a lime with a real sharp knife, and I cut right through the lime and oh. right through my finger, all the way down to like where I saw oh. that white that you know yes oh, and all of a sudden yeah, a, awesome. a thousand scat staticky TVs around my head, and I was like I'm going down, and there's blood everywhere, and I had go get it stitched up. And then I went and did the the show with my finger going like, womp, 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 like throbbing, oh, you know, and I'm holding my beating. hand up like this. Yeah. And, but it was a funny, like, I still have, I have a nasty scar from it. And like, I feel this one way more than I feel this one. Like, I almost wonder if I nicked a nerve or whatever, but I remember literally, like you said, like where the sun was at, as it relates to setting, like I, I, I could see the moment I cut my finger and it's, I'll never oh. just go like, Oh yeah, that was that time. I, I tried to make shoes, you know, but it's like, I remember it was the first time I was Vivid. in headline jokers wild. I, it was, I remember like the smell in the room. Like it's so amazing that scars do kind of bring yeah, us back and, to that like detail. It, it's like a dream you can't forget kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And there was an audience interaction person recently who did say in her story, she'd started by saying like, I remember it was a full moon and I was like, 
Wow. And it was because at one point she was lying on the ground and she was looking up at the sky. But just the fact that you retain that, you know, how many times I've probably noticed I was lying on the ground somewhere, but you know, that time was different. Yeah. And then we say that with storytelling, like what stories should you tell? Well, usually it's like this day, this day, this day, this day, this day. And then there was this day. Yeah. And yeah. that's the story you tell. And then there was this day. You know what you should have for when you do this show again is you should have a foot pedal with a fog machine. <laughs> And when someone tells, starts their story, you just hit it and then the room just fills with steam. I was laying on my back and it was a full moon. You should just have a pedal. Like, just a pedal hit it. Just... Oh, that'd be great. How awesome. did you end up loving the room? Like, did you enjoy the space? Did you get comfortable with the space? Like at first was it, cause you're laying all this, I, I believe in that stuff. Like the spirit of what you're like kind of hangs around the room. Cause you did this, you did, a, you're doing a residency or you did a residency. I'm doing a little, a little run. Yeah. I've got yeah. two shows left. So I, um, honestly, I put a lot of time and thought into the room I know and I, I looked at that room when I went to visit it and I thought, I got to change this room a little bit. So I went, I bought like those little battery votive candles because I wanted that atmosphere. Uh, I rearranged the tables because I wanted a certain atmosphere with that. I, um, the curtain I couldn't change, but I decided to clip it in a certain manner to make it look a little different because, so I literally, I I was like, I want flowers on the bar. Like I, I actually invested a little bit of money in the simplest way, I mean, like we're talking, I don't know, maybe a hundred dollars just to add little things to that space. Cause I wanted it to feel warm and inviting and cool. And there was a lot to work with. It just needed a little extra thing. Love. And then I was thinking about, it was a seven o'clock show and it's, it's a seven o'clock show. And I thought, you know, people are probably going to go for dinner afterwards. So I, I went and I bought little things of popcorn and like prepackaged popcorn, you know, that you can buy for your kid's snack. Yeah, and I just yeah, put, yeah. A, I put a few on every table because, uh, I just feel like, and everyone loves the snacks. They're like, this is the only off Broadway show with snacks. I my one this. friend said, my one friend said, Oh, I could have eaten those. I thought it was going to be like the Marriott where I was like, don't touch those. There's going to be a $7 thing on our <laughs> bill at the end of it. Got, it's like, no, there's, you have a, dr- a bar, a mini bar at every table. <laughs> yeah. So there was just little things that I wanted to do to make people feel like they didn't have to think oh, about the space. So great. God, that's so great. And it's so funny when you think about like the good, like the little good elements that we could all do to make our shows more like palpable and more comfortable, which then makes us more comfortable because there's nothing better than a crowd that's comfortable. You yeah. Know what I, like and I get like, very attached to that. Yeah. I'm really attached to that. Well, because we know the opposite. Some, some crowds are, it's like bus station energy where you're just like, I, I, did you guys know you were coming here? Like, did someone, did you lose a bet? I mean, like, I'll be totally honest. I hired someone to do seating for me because I knew the theater didn't have resources to actually have people sat. And at this venue, there's a combination of uh, there's bar seating with stools, there's high tops with stools, and then there's normal, like low tables with chairs. And I was like, anyone over 40 gets a chair with a back. Yes. Oh, smart. Because <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't want, I don't want those people on stools. And then some of the stools were shaky. 
Mike, I brought an Allen key with me and arrived early <laughs> and went through and tightened all the stools. I'm insane. So next time when you come on, we'll talk about the OCD. <laughs> That's amazing. But I was but like, I would ownership. not want a rocking stool. But I get, you want to know what, you know what all that, what all that says to me is that's how much you value this material. And that's how much you value this experience that the crowd is going to have. Like, you're not going in and going like, yeah, let's just do this and get it. Like you want it to be perfect for those people. I want it and to be you, as nice as possible. And that's, and thank, I, and I'm the worst. Cause I'll go to a show and I'll be distracted by the fact that I'm on a wiggly stool. That's half broken. Absolutely. Like th- that's all leave. I'm thinking about. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cause now I have to not be comfortable because I might make you uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. It's a nightmare. Yeah. So thank you for asking me. No one, of course I've never, I haven't really told anyone as I'm saying it, it sounds a little insane, but that's but. great. That's what you're showing your scars. So can you tell everyone? So this is going to come out Friday. So for those of our listeners in the city. Yeah. I mean, sorry. It's sold out, so please. I'm hoping to get. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping shit. to get. Yeah, so, I mean, like, actually, if you want to just sit, like, I don't know, send a note to the playhouse and say that you would really like to see it because I, 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 I there might be an extension, is what there I'm saying. So, extension. but at this at yeah. this point right now, I don't know. But okay. yeah, thankfully, um, the shows are sold out. Thankfully. Well, it's well-deserved and tell everyone where they could keep track of you and your podcast. Come keep track of me, people. Yeah. yeah, You can can follow me. Spy on me. I'm on the socials at Ophira E. And uh, I have a website that I I update, question mark. It's OphiraEisenberg.com. All right. And you have that podcast that's pretty damn yeah. fantastic. Don't forget if that. You, if, it doesn't even matter if you're a parent, but it is a comedy parenting uh, podcast. I know a lot of non-parents who listen to it. It's called Parenting is a Joke. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Get your podcast. I listen to it and I go, that's why I don't want to be a parent. So <laughs> it's great for those of you who are on the fence. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking with stand-ups, who, stand-ups and, and entertainment people who have kids and how they manage to get all the creative projects and travel and touring happening still <laughs> with that situation. I don't know how you guys do it. I don't know how you guys do it. I can't sleep over guilt with my dog, let alone. If oh I had my a kid, God. So. I, I understand. Yeah. I know it's all a thing. It, it is, is a all thing. a thing. Well, you're amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for hanging with me. Mike, and, uh, you're the best. I know. Let's get together soon. And okay. maybe this weekend, if in between, I'll try to figure it out. Maybe I could stand in the back and, uh, and watch. I'll make it happen for you. All I'll right, make it happen you so for much. you. I'll, right. I'll eat my popcorn quietly. <laughs> Bye. Awesome. Bye. <laughs> See ya. Thanks everyone for listening. Osiris. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Points.